This is Dr. Rob Harder with the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, making your world better. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? What are the biggest challenges? What are the biggest obstacles? How should nonprofits fundraise in an economy that is constantly changing? All of these reasons combined led me to start this show. And it's my hope that through this series, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear from effective leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy the show as together we hear how they are making their world better. Well, hello, podcast listeners. Thanks so much for tuning in today. You know, as many of you may know already, I live in Park City, Utah. And one of the big events that comes through each year is the Sundance Film Festival. Now, if you've ever been to Sundance, I, in fact, send me a note. I would love to know what your experience was like. But if you haven't been, but you'd like to come to Sundance sometime in the future, I truly reach out and let me know. And, and I can help you navigate through various options from lodging to where to go, what to do, et cetera. Uh, Sundance is a really fun experience. So anyway, this past Sundance, I was invited to a gathering of high-profile leaders, many people you, whom you have heard of. They're both in the entertainment industry and faith leaders who are well-known in order to talk about the work of the Radiant Foundation. Now, in short, the Radiant Foundation is a nonprofit dedicated to creating change at scale while positively impacting the day-to-day -day lives of individuals with a special focus on the entertainment industry and the faith community. Now, out of this, they have discovered some really interesting data when it comes to our overall well-being as human beings. One of my biggest takeaways, in fact, after my first initial conversation with Angela Redding, who's the executive director of the Radiant Foundation, it's centered on the power of data to help shape and drive an organization's story and impact. And Angela is my guest today, and I think you're going to really learn a lot that can directly apply to your own nonprofit. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is sponsored by DonorBox. DonorBox, helping you help others with the best donation forms in the business. Well, welcome to the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast. So good to have Angela Redding here. Thanks so much for taking time to talk a little bit more about the Radiant Foundation and what you do there. It was fun to be able to meet with you before, of course, the interview and just hear more personally directly from you what you're doing. But for my audience, let's kick it off. Uh, tell us a little bit more about the Radiant Foundation. How did it get started? And what is your primary mission? Well, first of all, thank you, Rob, for having us on. I, I know that your audience is sophisticated and loves the work that they're doing in the nonprofits here. So hopefully we can add just a little bit of our insight into what they're doing in their you know, daily work. So Radiant Foundation, at the highest level, we're about elevating faiths in culture, all faiths in all cultures. And there's some foundational beliefs behind that. And that's because we started out with some really interesting research around the idea that faith is human. 84% of humankind is affiliated with a religion, but you wouldn't know that from how most faith and religion is represented in media today. It's often sensationalized and stereotyped. And yet, at a time when religion is declining and stereotyping is going up, we're also having this kind of increase in mental illness and mental health struggles. And yet, there is an intersection between these two. What we have found in a lot of our research, and I know we can go into some more detail later, is that there is a clear link between spirituality and well-being. And having a relationship with the transcendent or a higher power, however you talk about that, actually can help heal some of the challenges that so many of us are struggling with. So we want to make sure that that's on the table for anybody who is struggling. Their spiritual self-care, faith and religiosity are part of their tools in managing their well-being. 
Yeah, it's so fascinating. We are going to ask you some specific questions about some of the data you're finding. But maybe to start out with, that, that one of the things that I'll tell my listeners that I was so impressed with when I looked at your foundation, you have a lot of data and, and you use that data really wisely from what I can tell. And I think when you have good data, uh, that's really hard to refute and it really backs up what your whole mission is. I really think that can move your organization forward. So maybe you could talk about that. How have you developed that data set? And why is it so important to have accurate and relevant data so that you can actually drive your organization's story and impact? Great question, Rob. You know, it's something that I have always been personally data-driven, but even so, I underestimated the impact that having third-party credible validation um, would have on the work we're doing. So it's one thing to have a belief. It's one thing to have a hypothesis. It's another thing to have somebody else saying, this is really important. And so early on, we did some of our own proprietary research, and we found that having this third-party validation, like a partnership with Gallup, which we have, or HarrisX, these are global, credible research firms coming in and saying, we're going to take an objective look. We're going to be rigorous in the methodology. So this HarrisX study, for example, that was 10,000 respondents in 18 countries, five languages covering all of the world's religions. And usually you see no consensus in that kind of study, right? Because you have people from all over the world with very different backgrounds. And yet case after case, we found similar shared beliefs. Like we saw 63% of people said that fair and accurate representation of religion and media is important. And yet the media over half said are stereotyped. Um, We saw things like 78% of people thought that religious stereotypes need to be addressed as much or more than race and gender stereotypes. That's surprising, right? And we could say religion's being stereotyped, but when people all over the world are saying, that's a problem, it needs to be addressed, and I want to see my faith in media, Now we know that it's not just our belief. There's a collective opportunity here. So having third-party validation, having credible global research firms partnering with you, and then asking really good questions, that's been critical to us. And then it isn't just one research study. This is the other thing. We started with an AI-enabled study of over 30 million pieces of digital content to take a look at what does the landscape of faith-related digital content look like? And we found that 63% of that content was negative. An additional 11% was extreme in nature, including hate speech. So three quarters of your media diet is representing a sensationalized and stereotyped inaccurate representation of faith and religion and spirituality, rather than depicting the ennobling personal lived experience that most people of faith would say is is their experience with religion. So that became the foundation of our story and also informing what programs we wanted to invest in in order to have a real impact rather than just believing. And then the last thing Rob I'll say is once you understand the foundation, your hypotheses are validated, you go into the marketplace and you actually start to create some impactful programs then you have to test those. So can I, give you, can I give you an example of how we've done that? So one of our projects is called Skylight. And it's a, an app-based platform. We've got an Android and iOS or a web application. And at its core, it's three to five minute meditations, affirmations with a higher power. So think calm with the transcendent element, engagement, spiritual self-care. 
So it's one thing to have these research studies that tell you that spiritual interventions positively help mental illness. So we see across the board in these longitudinal studies, suicide, depression, substance abuse, anxiety go down with religious and spiritual interventions. But what about our project? Is that actually working? So we did an AI-enabled study right at one point. We did a global Harris X partnership study at another point. And then we engaged the former chief science officer of Calm to come in and, and do actual research on our app users. So we've had over 4 million users at this point. So there's a lot of rich data as they're going in and actually completing spiritual practices. And we did surveys as they came in. How was your anxiety? Right. And then a series of questions to kind of gauge anxiety levels. Intervention, one of the practices, and then another survey at the end. And across the board, we saw anxiety levels decrease and we saw sleep scores go up. So now we've got a validated hypothesis, right? Perceptions, global perceptions supporting where the market opportunity is, and then our own proprietary data validating that our intervention is working. Now, that's fascinating. No, I love that's a great example. And very impressive, again, for your organization and what you're doing, because it, again, it's very difficult to refute and it just lends credence again to your overall mission. Okay, we're going to get into some mental health questions. One more question, just kind of in general about nonprofits and how we help for the leaders that are listening today. They're wanting to grow their nonprofit. They really want to you know, create movements in their organizations. What has been the secret to your success when it comes to how to expand the number of supporters of your cause by making your cause more relevant? Could you talk about that? Yeah, that's key, Rob. It has to be relevant. So your cause may not be my cause. It may not be someone else's cause. But if you can take your cause, your mission, and make it relevant to something they care about, that's a game changer. So some of the ways that we've talked about this, one is we're going to talk about mental health. So if faith or religion or spirituality isn't your cause, but you care about well-being, well, then spirituality should be part of your cause too, because that's an intervention that could really help elevate and increase the well-being of people you're trying to benefit. Or if you care about anti-discrimination, well then this cause is your cause, whether that whether you're part of the BIPOC community, LGBTQ plus community, or faith and religious community, no one should be discriminated against because of who they are or their belief systems, right? So finding on-ramps data-based in our case, data-driven on-ramps into the cause that says, my cause is your cause actually, because we may not care about this point, but we both care about this. So let's join together to try to solve for this bigger issue that we're really talking about. And fundamentally, that's about the individual. It's about benefiting individuals' lives. One of the things we often talk about is, you've heard this analogy, if someone's drowning, pull them out of the water, but then go upstream and look at why they're falling in in the first place, what are those institutional costs, right? And sometimes you're partnering at the pull people out of the river level. And sometimes you walk upstream and start to look at systemic issues that are causing the downstream challenges, and that's where you can partner. So finding on-ramps and finding what level in your nonprofit journey you really need to partner. You don't have to agree on everything, but there are elements that you can truly agree on. Great example. Well, let's speaking of uh, mental health, let's talk about that a little bit and dive in. It has been a topic that's been in the news for many, many years, but it does seem like since COVID, I feel like the awareness of mental health has just skyrocketed. When you add the role of media and its impact on mental health, and particularly our youth, and I would emphasize that, 
this issue of mental health and mental wellness has really become critical in our cultural conversations. So give us some data that you're uncovering. I know this not necessarily on social media specifically is not your specialty, but you do so much data and research on just the impact on our mental health of media as a whole. Give us some of that background so that my listeners are hearing and getting some good, good data on what is happening right now, particularly with our youth and when it comes to the media and the social media impact of our mental health. There's no question that most indicators of mental health and mental wellness are decreasing. Anxieties, right? Anxieties on the rise, depressions on the rise, suicide, substance misuse. There are so many things that are on the rise. And it's hard to find true causal relationships between what's causing it because it's so multifaceted. All of us are multifaceted beings, right? But there's been quite a bit of research that links increased social media use with increased anxiety and other mental illness challenges. So I would say that one of the biggest things that we're seeing and and the biggest paradox and opportunity at Radiant that we've been able to kind of dig into is at a time when religion is in decline and mental illness is on the rise, and there's a clear link between spirituality and well-being, why the gap? And that's the opportunity that we've been leaning into. Uh, I think you know we we at Radiant believe that everyone is a spiritual being, and that there's physical wellness, there's mental wellness, and there's spiritual wellness. And in our research with young people, we asked questions around this. So we did our own kind of focus grouping and other research, and we had many young people say that you know there were times when I didn't feel well. I didn't feel myself. I didn't feel complete. And it wasn't physical and it wasn't really mental. But but now that you are telling me about spiritual wellness, I think it was spiritual. And I think we're at a time where we need to pull out all the stops. We need every tool at our disposal. And let me give you one powerful study. Dr. Lisa Miller likes to talk about this. There was a study by Wu and colleagues that included... 5,000 completed suicides and 6,000 control group of teenagers in the United States. And what they found was that young people with a high sense of spirituality were as much as 62% less likely to commit suicide. Wow. That's a big increase. It's huge. And right. And if that's a shared spirituality. So like in the context of religion or another community of of spiritual people with you in that journey, there's much as 82% less likely. Wow. And what she has said is, you know, if that was a pill that we could all stand right in line at a convenience store and get, we'd all do it. Every parent would do that. So again, I I think the stakes are just high. We're trying to navigate a new AI-based world, a social media-driven world, a very technology and device-driven world. Our brains are trying to catch up. Our wellness is trying to catch up. We all have some level of addictive personalities, right? And we're replacing just different drugs. And for sure, technology can be that. Or it can be the helping healing solution to some of those things as well. So it's not one or the other. It's It's not about destroying your phone. It's about learning how to use the resources that you have with technology to advance your well-being rather than take away from it. 
Well, it's interesting because a couple of years ago, the U.S. Surgeon General stated that the mental health crisis we are facing is the biggest concern facing the country, especially as it relates to our youth. Again, there was a big emphasis on the mental health crisis of our youth here in America. The research you do at the Radiant Foundation, you've already highlighted this a couple of times, has been the positive relationship between spirituality and mental health. There's been some real solid evidence, and you already just mentioned a few of those, of this very strong link between well-being and mental health benefits of spirituality. So as you look at that and you've got this data, why do you think it's so difficult maybe to get that message across? One of the key challenges is that religion is controversial. And that's driven by what you see in entertainment and Hollywood in your news. And we've tried to dive a little bit deeper with in-depth interviews of producers, writers, talent, with you know executive editors and leaders of major newspapers and media organizations throughout the world. And a couple of key things come up. It's not malicious, but there's a lack of understanding about religion and faith and spirituality. There's a fear of getting it wrong, not accurately representing. And because so much of the coverage is political, associated with negative things, no one wants to tread into that category, especially if they haven't been well-trained to cover so many religions. On top of that, you have terrible crises happening throughout the world that are done uh, in the name of or under the banner of religion divisive, conflict-driven. And so because there's this lack of real education or what we like to call faith fluency, so many people rely on stereotypes. They rely on these default kind of stereotypical sensationalized portrayals of religion. So the average consumer, particularly our youth, are hearing the story that's mostly negative, mostly divisive, angry, political, They don't want anything to do with it. And we still have, and this is one thing that's very interesting, young people have have really invested in spirituality in a different way. When they say they're nuns, right? We hear this category of nuns, they're affiliated. It's not because they aren't interested in spirituality. It's because they don't identify with institutional religion or spirituality. So we're actually seeing a resurgence of spiritual solutions to mental health and mental well-being, physical well-being, overall well-being, in ways that are just not making it to the main headlines. So I think we are about to see a shift, and that's what gives me hope and optimism. I think we're seeing a shift where we aren't going to tolerate stereotypes anymore, whether that's based on your race or ethnicity gender identity or sexuality or religion, you're not going to tolerate that anymore, regardless of who you are. And that gives me a tremendous amount of optimism and hope for our overall well-being. No, no one wants to live inauthentically. We'll be right back. Are you looking for an easy and effective way to boost your nonprofit's donations? Look no further than DonorBox, the online fundraising platform that streamlines your fundraising efforts, maximizes donations, and simplifies giving for your supporters. With DonorBox, you can create beautiful donation forms, accept digital wallet payments, track donations, and send auto receipts. And the best part? There are no setup or monthly fees and no long-term contracts required. So what are you waiting for? Visit DonorBox.org today to get started. That is DonorBox.org. 
Hey friends, and thanks so much for listening to the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast. I want to let you know that I've recently become a professional certified coach. You know, with my nearly 30 years of nonprofit experience, I know firsthand how hard you work as a leader. I also know how important it is to have someone you can call on to get help with the barriers, the leadership challenges that you will face both professionally and personally. And I really want people to thrive, to become all they were meant to become by providing coaching and consulting services. So if coaching is something you've always been interested in, but maybe weren't quite sure what it was all about, I encourage you to reach out. You can go to my website, robharder.com, or just email me at rob at robharder.com. I would happy to provide a free sample coaching session so you can determine if coaching is for you. All right. Thanks again for tuning in. Now back to the show. Well, and yeah, again, another one of your primary focus areas with your organization is the healing of divisions and promoting understanding and inspiring meaningful exchanges about spirituality. I think it's such a noble goal, and particularly in light of today's world, and it's so critical. So tell us more about how you're going about that. How are you doing this healing of divisions and the misunderstanding often that happens between people of faith, people that have no faith, people from different faiths? That's a question. I think it's all about partnerships. Nothing big and important can be done by yourself. And it certainly shouldn't be done by one point of view or one perspective, one you know, religion or ethnicity or gender. It, that, that can't be the case. So I think you have to embed the healing of divisions in the work itself. And that means bridging the divides between different people. So we, for example, had an opportunity to talk about this Gallup Radiant Faith and Wellness Study just last week in Washington. and. You know, we had people from all over the world, over 1,500 people in a conference room trying to understand what is this relationship between mental health, well-being, and spirituality. And that's what's called the the worldwide connection between spirituality and well-being. And on the stage, we had three women, a a Jewish rabbi, a Muslim woman who leads an organization in Washington, and a Christian woman who leads a foundation. And those are typically, you know, could be divisive religious backgrounds, particularly in the context of the world today. It wasn't. It was healing to hear from three women who care deeply about the well-being of youth and individuals in society today, coming from their unique perspective, their unique worldview, and adding to that bridging of divides and healing. We need more of that. We, we just need more people coming together to say, you may think differently from me, but we share a common goal. And let's talk about that. Yeah. No, I love that. What a great example. And I know you were telling me before the show, just how powerful that gathering was and, and such diversity and variety of people that were in attendance. So well done on that. You know, and as we think about the future, then looking forward from this moment, you know, media is such a huge saturation of our lives. You know, it just, it saturates everything we do. Let's talk a bit more about that. It's not going anywhere. What have you found has been the most success when it comes to promoting positive mental health and helping individuals really gain a better sense of control over their lives when it comes to media and maybe uh, social media specifically, because you mentioned before, we have everything on our phone now. We have it within such quick, you know, we just pick it up and be inundated with that media influence constantly. How can we get more control over it so that we're in charge of our media, so to speak, as opposed to the other way around? That's key, Rob. Who's in control? 
are the media companies in control? Because their their whole business platform is based on how much time you spend on their platform, right? That, that's how they make money. You're the, you are the consumer for them. You're the product. Your eyeballs, your interest, that, that is their money-making machine. So are you going to seed your independence to that business? Or are you going to decide, I'm in control here. I'm, I, I know what I can handle and what I can't. Where do I need to put boundaries? It, are those boundaries around parking my phone at, at a certain time of day? You know, I know what, what's really popular right now is to have a tech Sabbath or a tech Shabbat. Yeah, I've been hearing about this, right? Right, uh-huh. right. You just, you park it somewhere and you take a break for the day. Are there areas and spaces in your home where technology just doesn't belong? Is that at the dinner table? Is that in your bedroom? Is that in the car when you're driving? And that's supposed to be a moment when you're having family conversations. When, when does that technology not come with you? And then taking control of when technology does come with you and what kind and in what context. So if, if you're a big TikTok fan, I think every one of us knows that you can get on there and suddenly hours have gone by and you've consumed 14,000 30-second clips and you have no idea what it was about. <laughs> right, totally. Right, uh-huh, right? Right. We, everybody, or maybe Instagram is your platform or Facebook's your platform or Twitter. Twitter is your platform. LinkedIn. I mean, any of those platforms, right? So are, are, there, are there ways that you can create your own boundaries when you know you can't really trust yourself, right? I, I can't trust myself to turn off let's say Instagram uh, after 30 minutes. Well, maybe I, I, I want to put a timer in for that. So I think there are just ways to say the biggest shift is who's in control. Am I ceding that control to somebody else or am I taking control? And then within my media diet, am I making sure to balance diverse points of view and the positive with the negative? Because most of what's going to come across your screen is negative, particularly if it's news-driven. So how are you balancing that both in your tech life and in your analog life? All right. I like that. No, good. Great suggestions. Now, you do run across a lot of data that can be very discouraging. You see the trends of where we are as a culture. So I'm just curious. You kind of mentioned this earlier, but of what is giving you hope. But maybe I'll just ask it more directly. With all the kind of negative news that you're picking up and a lot of the research that you do and the data that you uncover, what is giving you hope these days as you look to the future? I think, I think what gives me the most hope are those personal interactions that I have on the individual level with people. Who, when, I, when I strip away all of the noise, all of the media, all of the headlines, all of the sensationalizing that takes place, and human to human, we care about each other. We really do. And we believe in the divinity and beauty and humanity of individuals. We, when something major happens, when there's an earthquake, everyone rallies. We always do. I, I think the biggest challenge to us right now is apathy. And the thing that gives me the most hope is that because of technology, we have so many more opportunities to hear about challenges, struggles, discouraging things that you're talking about. All of this data can bombard us, but that same technology is giving us the tools to be able to overcome. I have a, a tremendous amount of belief in people, especially the, the transcendent nature of humanity coming together for things that are really ennobling and that we care about. So I believe that this younger generation 
they're better than we are. And they're wiser. They will be. They already are. You're seeing them being more inclusive, more diverse, more so many great things. They've got some growing up to do, right? Like we all do, regardless of our age. But I see so much hope in the activism of young people, the sincerity and wanting to be purpose-driven, the focus of their lives not being necessarily on money and status. And that gives me a lot of hope. I think we're at a stage where the tools are at our fingertips and we can connect and relate and and have relationships throughout the entire world. So I, I just believe that while our global community is pleading for shared healing, we also, at the same time, can partner to bring peace and humanity to the world. Hey, well, for my listeners, how can they find out a little bit more about you and the Radiant Foundation? Easy to find us, radiant.org. And if you're in the mode of some serious spiritual self-care, then download Skylight, spiritual self-care from any of the app stores or go to skylight.org for the web app version. Excellent. Well, Angela, thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know you've got a lot going on, but to share all that you're learning, the data that you're finding, and the good work that Radiant Foundation is doing, it really is pretty impressive. And so again, I encourage my listeners to check out the website and maybe check out that app. That sounds like a really interesting way to just check all the things that you're sharing to see for themselves if it works. So again, thanks for taking time to be on the show today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Rob. Hey friends, well, I wanted you to know that this podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to other podcasts. I also want to encourage you to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with others. This will actually help us get this great content out to more nonprofit leaders just like you. You can also join the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast community, find other resources and interviews of past guests all on my website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. Well, thanks again for listening. And until next time, keep making your world better. And don't forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel, The Nonprofit Leadership Podcast. Go to YouTube and look up Nonprofit Leadership Podcast. We'll see you there. This podcast is sponsored by DonorBox. DonorBox, helping you help others with the best donation forms in the business.